0: So this morning, I would like to talk to you about the right medicine. Okay, I am. Um, a few years ago, I was mountain biking up at Blumendal, <clears throat> up on Durbanville Hills, and I decided that I could do something that I couldn't do. Um, and I did a bit of bad timing, and I fell off my bike. Um, Renee, she loves me very much, and she gives me sympathy, but she laughed. Um, she was also filming me at the time, so we got to rewatch me falling off my bike in slow motion. Um, but as I was carrying my bike back to the car after my spectacular fall, my arm was really hurting. I was in a lot of pain. I knew something wasn't right, and I knew that I needed to get it looked at, so um, so I went to my financial advisor, <laughs> and uh, he heard my story, and he advised me that I should invest in the stock market, uh, which I did, um, but my arm was still hurting, so uh, I went to the optician, and he said, you need glasses, which I do but my arm still hurt. Nothing was helping. I went to the bike shop. They said my bike needed getting fixed. I fixed that. My arm still hurt. Now, the point is that the problem actually wasn't my financial portfolio or my bike's gearing. My problem was my arm. Uh, Obviously, I was surprisingly sensible enough to go straight to the doctor, I went and got x-rays. Uh, turns out that in true Dan style, I had broken my arm at the elbow, um, and I still can't straighten it properly to this day. The point is this. When there was something wrong with me, I needed the right kind of medicine. Now, we've been hearing a bit this morning already through worship about the great healer. The great healer Jesus. The thing about Jesus when he comes to heal us is that the way that he heals us is he works with us and tells us what medicine we need. But we need to be able to hear him to know that we're taking the right kind of medicine. Some weeks ago I preached on um, five highs. Some of you may have been here or heard the recording. Um, We were speaking about God's plan and purpose for our lives and how sometimes we have some sins that just keep tripping us up over and over and over those high places in our lives. And we spoke about how sometimes we need to go deeper than just trying to stop sinning. We do need to stop sinning. But we need to go deeper than that and understand the brokenness in our life that takes it there. Uh, Proverbs 26:11 puts it very vividly when it says this, As a dog returns to its vomit, so fools repeat their folly. And often that seems to be us. We just go back to the same old folly time and time again. I know I certainly have. Um, there's been patterns in my, my life in the past. Um, sometimes I think the enemy doesn't need to bother tempting me again. He just watches me repeat the same old stuff over and over. Um, so this morning I want to try and make it a bit more practical Um, some of you may have been here for Jonathan Conrath and things for the last few weeks we've had some incredible times of ministry and that may have raised questions for you maybe you were waiting for a healing for a breakthrough of some kind and you're not quite sure that you've experienced it yet I'd like to share with you this morning some practical things about the right medicine to help you with those things you might be struggling with. So to do that, I'm going to look at four things. Firstly, I'm going to look at what am I? Secondly, I'm going to look at who am I? Why do I? And how can I? What am I? Who am I? Why do I and how can I? So, we're going to start at the beginning. It's a very good place to start. So, what am I? Well, this might seem like a really, really obvious question to ask. I mean, I'm a person. You're a person. We're all people, I hope. I mean, I know Hollywood says that half of us are all like highly developed AI robots. But I'm going to assume we're all people. But we're not just people. The late Will Morair would often say this. We are not essentially human beings having a temporary spiritual experience. We are eternal spirit beings having a temporary human experience. That's absolutely true. If we want to understand why we struggle with things, we have to understand what we are and to understand what we are we have to understand how we're made so we are going to get right back to the start we're going all the way go going all the way back to genesis now at this point i'm going to get slightly theological just for a couple of minutes Um, i hope you'll forgive me it's not complicated but I'm going to do that just because I think it helps us to understand a little bit about what we are and how God made us. In Genesis 1 verse 2, we read about God's spirit hovering over the waters. We don't have anything to do. Oh, we do. Okay, so there we are. So Genesis 1 verse 2 says this. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Now, the the word there in Hebrew used to describe the spirit of God hovering over the the waters is Ruach. And it speaks of an eternal spirit, not of this earth. I'm going to come back to that, but remember that. There's a word that means spirit. God then goes on to create everything else. In chapter 1, verse 11, God creates plant life. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it according to their various kinds. This is life. It it is life. It's made of cells. It grows. It has DNA. It's not what we'd call sentient. It doesn't have a mind of its own. It has no emotion. You know, celery doesn't get upset with you if you don't eat it, okay? It just goes wrong, okay? And in some ways... Our flesh and blood has a lot of similarity to plants. Because you know what? We've got cells. We've got DNA. But God wasn't done. So he carries on creating. He next goes on to the fish in the sea and the animals on the land. Verse 24 says, And God said, Let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds. Livestock, creatures that move along the ground, wild animals according to its kinds. And it was so... Now, the word there, preacher, <clears throat> is a Hebrew word, nefesh. Now, that's the word that, in English, we'd often use the word soul for that. I mean, it's, it's basically thoughts, desires, emotions, that kind of thing. It's like what give us sentience, thinking. So, in other words, the animals here were made with something more than just flesh and blood. They were made with a mind to think with. So if you ever wondered if your dog can feel emotion, yes, they can. God made them that way. But there's still something more. God isn't done. In Genesis 1 verse 26, we see that God creates mankind slightly differently. He says this. Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so they may rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. We see, in order for us to be who God created us to be, something was different about us. We were created in God's likeness. So, here's the question. If plants have cells and DNA, and animals have a soul, emotions, thinking, what makes us different? In Genesis 2-7, we see that God did something special. The Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Everything else created, God had said, let the earth create. But God actually comes and breathes into our nostrils. He had a very specific purpose in what he, the way he created us. Job 12 verse 10 puts it like this. This is speaking of God creating, sustaining creation. It says... It's off. I'll read it to you. It says, in his hand, in God's hand, is the life of every creature and the breath of all mankind. The life of every creature and the breath of all mankind. The life of every creature is that word nefesh, emotion. The word for breath of all mankind, ruach the same word to describe the spirit of god something that is not of this world in other words as will put it we are eternal spiritual beings having a temporary human experience we've been made differently you might notice here there's a beautiful symmetry because we are made with flesh and blood we're made with Emotion and thoughts. And we're made with a spirit. How many parts is that? Three. Who are we made in the likeness of? How many parts does God have? So, this is what's called the tripartite view of man. And it basically says that we are made with three parts to our to our being. Now, I think you can um, over the pudding. Is that a British expression? over the pudding? Uh, you can take this too far, right? Because body, soul, and sp- I mean, we're, we're intertwined. Um, you know, this is the way that God's created us. Often the Bible talks about our soul and our spirit interchangeably. So you can take it too far. So don't think that this is now, you know, the be-all and end-all. But what I want you to understand is this. God made us in three parts. God made us complicated. So. <clears throat> who am I? There's, a, there's an old philosophical statement. That says. Uh, if a tree falls in a forest. And no one's around to hear it. Does it make a sound? I don't know. Um. But the one thing I do know is this, the point that that is making is that the tree falling down only makes any sense if it has something to relate to it, because if no one's there to hear it, does it make a sound at all? Funnily enough, it's the same with us, in that we, as people, are actually defined by relationships, You see, we were created in relationship. This is who we are. And each part of those that tripartite nature that we have was given a perfect relationship. We were created in relationship. We can see this in Genesis 1, 27, 28. It says this. God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, over every living creature that moves on the ground. So I don't know if you noticed, but in just those two verses, we've got three perfect relationships. We've got our relationship with God who creates us. In his image we've got a relationship between people male and female he created them and he blessed them and we've got a relationship with the world our flesh and blood because we're told to rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky we're supposed to tend the world we're created with three perfect relationships that's who we are unfortunately as you know that doesn't end there um, because we have an enemy And this enemy wanted to destroy the image of God in us. How are you going to do that? You're going to do that by destroying the relationships that say who we are. Our relationship to God, our relationship to each other, and our relationship to the world. So Satan came to Eve and said, did God really say He starts sowing doubt. He's like, he's trying to break that relationship. He's like, really? Is that really what he said? As we know what happens, she takes some fruit. She eats it. She gives some to Adam. In that, there's another unity that was broken because the unity between Adam and Eve was broken as well. Um, Genesis 3.12 says this. This is where Adam starts blaming Eve. The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit of the tree and I ate it. Second relationship is broken. And the brokenness doesn't end there. God curses the world. And as he curses the world, he also breaks the relationship between us and creation. Work's going to be hard. Childbirth's going to be painful. Every part of who we are has been broken by the fall. Adam... uh, (laughs) He actually had to live with this think about this this is hectic right so adam now he's got a broken relationship with god broken relationship with his wife a broken relationship with the land that he's supposed to look after Um, how long do you think he lived after that to stew in his brokenness 800 years Lifespans were much longer before the flood um, because the ecosystem of the world was different. He died at 930 years. So 800 years to stew on ever, all of that. That's brokenness. That's the damage that the enemy sowed into those relationships. And ever since that point, mankind is now broken. John 8:44 says this. Jesus is talking to the Jews. He says, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Of course, the enemy doesn't want us to know this, right? Um, very, very few people, I think, would actually desire to belong to the devil (laughs) i mean those kind of people have got bigger problems for the most of us the enemy just knows that we're defined by our relationships that's the way god made us to be in relationship so what he does is he distracts us by giving us something else to belong to a badge to wear it's no accident that the world is full of people trying to find an identity right now uh, be it You know, political parties or social justice or the career you have or, you know, gender identity. What the enemy is trying to do is trying to give us something to belong to, to distract from the fact that our true relationship with him is broken. Maybe none of those apply to you. I'm going to bring it slightly closer to home. Sorry. So maybe you don't feel like you know you you wear these what are these badges you know you're not crusading on social justice or something okay but what about rugby surfing being a parent are any of these things something that you gravitate to people around so that you can have a sense of belonging none of those things are bad in themselves but is that where you find your identity because if you're trying to find your identity in something in the world, with somebody else, the chances are that there's a deeper sense of broken with this identity, with him. All these groups, when we make these groups, they exclude other people. They create a tribe. It's a poor substitute for real fellowship, and it's not God's heart. The enemy knows that there's power in fellowship. And a blessing in unity. So he'll try and give us these distractions, but sometimes, sometimes he can't keep us away from fellowship. He wants to, but he can't. If you're sitting here this morning, that means that in some way the enemy's already lost. Cause you're sitting here surrounded by people that love you and want the best for you. So you have fellowship. And I hope. You have a fellowship with God. So then the enemy will do something else. If he can't stop us from having fellowship. What he'll do is he'll try and cripple those relationships. And the way he does that is by wounding us. Deeply, emotionally, spiritually. And normally it's in a private place. A private place that we can't or don't want to reveal. Every time we feel like we're getting victory somewhere, he'll come to us as the father of lies and whisper more lies. He tries to keep us in a place of pain and bondage. So that brings us to the next question. Why do I? Why do I? When I was younger, um, like most young people, I seem to think that I was in total control of my life and my future. Yeah, the, the more the years go by, I realize I'm not really much in control at all. Certainly not I thought, thought I was. And for many years, I had patterns of sin that would manifest in my life. And I used to think that the answer was self-control. <laughs> yeah. Um, listen, self control's a good thing. But it's not the answer. Because no matter how hard I tried. I kept going back to those bad places. And I realized there was something deeper in me. That needed to be sorted out. I found myself sympathizing a lot with. The apostle Paul in Romans 7. He says this. This is very. Paulish the way he says this. so You'll have to bear with me. But you'll understand. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do. I do not do, but what I hate to do. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is in my sinful nature. For I have a desire to do what is good, but I can't carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil that I don't want to do. This I keep doing. He's basically saying, I don't want... To want to do these things. But my my flesh still wants to. I just don't want my flesh to want to do it. So he's like in this battle with himself. Verse 24 in in Romans 7 says this. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Okay. But I get it. I get it. Because you know what? I'm caught in these patterns of sin. And I'm like, I don't want to do them anymore. But then I find myself doing them. I'm like, what am I doing? You see, me personally, my story, I got saved when I was probably about 11. I've always been in church. I've always been in fellowship with other believers. I've always known how important that was. But the enemy knew that the way to get to me was to wound me. So he did, when I was a teenager. That story's for another time, but I was left with a deep, deep sense of inadequacy that I carried for 25 years. And it manifested in all sorts of ways, some of which I spoke about a few weeks ago. But I had this brokenness because of this deep wound, and I just couldn't get free. And sometimes we make a relationship with that wound. Sometimes that wound that we have, in my case it was feeling of inadequacy. Maybe for you it's a different wound. Maybe it's rejection or disappointment or something like that. But sometimes that can become part of who you are. You end up having a relationship with your brokenness. It ends up being a safe place to go to. I wonder how many of us are carrying a wound like that. How many of us speak harshly to our spouse or our kids because we're carrying wounds from our own parents. How many of us indulge in gossip because speaking ill of others soothes our own wounds of a lack of self-esteem. How many of us turn to pornography to soothe our own sense of inadequacy. How many of us have taken things too far outside of marriage because we're desperate for acceptance? How many of us even know what our wounds actually are? Sin still sin. You can't make light of the sin. Isaiah 59 says, "Your sins have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you." So, our sin is <laughs> is is still something that separates us from God. It's not an excuse to say we have a wound. But there is a healer. There is a healer who can heal every part of who we are. Corinthians 6 verse 17 says that we're united with the Lord and one with him in spirit. But our soul and nature are still of this world. So if we want to be truly free, we need to allow God to do that deep work in us and heal every kind of relationship So finally, I want to talk about how can I. We've spoken about how we're made, how we're made complex beings. How we're made with a flesh and blood, how we're made with emotions, how we're made spiritual. So when I broke my arm, when I catapulted off my bike, I went to the doctor and he told me that the operation to fix my arm was a bit risky uh so he suggested that rather than operation i would just go to see a physio a lot and do a lot of hard work um yeah that didn't work for me i just thought positive thinking i can like you know i just cycle on it and stuff and it'll be yeah it's still bent i'm still broken see the thing is this i got the right diagnosis but i wanted to find another way And that, I think, is what we do with the wounds in our lives very often. We avoid the diagnosis. We don't really want to reveal that thing. And finally, we do reveal that thing. And then we get the diagnosis and we're like, okay, that's what I need to do. But then the enemy, the father of lies, tells us the worst lie of all. We know we're broken. He's told us that already. That much was truth. But then he tells us that we cannot be loved and forgiven. That's a lie. Because you can be loved. You are loved. And you can be forgiven. So to make this practical, just as I finish, I want to go back to those three parts that were made of. Now again, I I want to stress this. Don't take the whole three parts of man too far because that could take you funny places but I do want to understand that there is something about the right way that God deals with us so firstly if there's an issue with our flesh and blood you need a doctor doctors matter because physical things can hamper our relationship with God now the reality is we live in a fallen world our bodies are still subject to the curse even though our spirits are safe with with Jesus and we are going to suffer while we remain here unless Jesus returns at our lifetime but we're all going to die someday <laughs> sorry downer but it's true um, i've got friends who are, are serving god faithfully in the church who have terrible things they're struggling with um, bipolar depression crohn's disease and things and there's things in their physical body that they're struggling with now we should ask god for healing totally we should rejoice when it happens it's a wonderful beautiful thing But don't fall into the trap of thinking that this physical body is the main event. Because as Will says, it's not. It's not the main event. We're just spiritual beings having a temporary human experience. So because of this, if you've got something that you're struggling with in your body, you should try and find what it is that is ailing you, the right medicine. It might be spiritual. Um, In Luke 13, we read of a woman who was crippled by an evil spirit that had to be cast out, and then the woman was healed. Um, However, sometimes, what you just need is a doctor. Luke was a doctor. I I have often wondered, you know, Luke was a doctor and he travelled around with you know disciples and things. do you think that jesus healed every sore and scratch that his disciples had i don't think so actually i just think luke would be a handy guy to have around anyway um, but here's the thing so maybe maybe you do need to to speak to someone and say you know i'm, I'm sick i want prayer for healing or something like that and that's fine but don't Think that everything is purely a spiritual attack because it might not be I was watching a video the other day from America And this guy was casting out, you know The demon of kidney disease from someone which I thought was a very specific demon to have I mean there may be a spiritual thing underlying. I don't know but it was just like Maybe they just need a doctor you know, that that might be the case Remember The father of lies wants to keep you in bondage if he can deceive you into looking for the wrong medicine, that's a ploy of the enemy. To be wise. However, in the same way that the financial advisor couldn't help me with my broken arm, sometimes we do need to go a little deeper as well. Because we may be manifesting, physically, emotionally, a deeper wound inside us, because we are also made with emotions and a nature. There can be deep wounds in our heart. The way that we're made is that when something wounds us, our body will try and wrap that thing up and protect us from that wound. That's why we get an abscess. You know, the body's trying to deal with that thing. When we get emotional wounds, we do the same. We try and wrap them up. We try and protect ourselves from them. But they're still there. Gradually poisoning our bodies. They hinder us on our walk. And just like an abscess, eventually they're going to manifest. And that's not pretty. It can be physical sickness, it can be spiritual sickness... And this is often why we're caught in a habitual sin, because we've got a deeper wound that's just festering, that we're never, ever dealing with. To heal in these areas, you've got to be ready for some emotional heart surgery. Often there are things that we can't understand ourselves, because our body has buried them so deep, we don't even know (laughs) what they are or why they're there. But we often see the manifestation I get very angry, I don't know why. I'm struggling with lust and I don't know why. Talk to someone. Why am I struggling in this area? Is there a root within me? If you're married, maybe you can open up to your spouse. Maybe if that's not appropriate, you can find an accountability partner. This is the beauty of being in a church, with brothers and sisters. Um, if you're struggling, you can also go to counseling. Last year, I went to counseling to um, help me understand some of my past struggles, and it was an absolute revelation for me. It was a Christian counselor, and actually I spoke to him about some things that God had given me the victory in, but i didn 't know how or why. And when the counselor exposed those things in me that were the roots, I realized just how much mess God had cleaned up, and it helped me in my healing, even though i wasn 't bound in the sin anymore. There was healing that had to come, and the counseling really helped me with that. The one advice I'd give you, I'm not saying secular secular counselors are, are a bad thing. They can often help you identify wounds. But a secular counselor won't prescribe the great healer. They'll give you sticking plasters, but they won't really help you heal. In the deep way that only Jesus can do. So if you're going to find a counselor, use a Christian counselor. So maybe you've got a sickness in your body and you need physical healing. So find prayer. Go to a doctor. <laughs> maybe you've got emotional wounds that you've, you're carrying. They're affecting your mind. They're affecting your thoughts. Be accountable. But maybe it's something else. Maybe it's a spiritual affliction. We read in the Bible about oppressive spirits, demon possession and such things. It is absolutely real. We're in a spiritual battle and the enemy is trying to take us out. 1 Peter 5 says this. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. It's a hectic picture. So if you're struggling with something... Be it in your body, be it in your emotion. Remember there's a spiritual battle going on that you may not be able to see. And maybe you need people to come alongside you for a time of deliverance. Some of you were in some deliverance training yesterday. I heard from Renee that it was a, an incredible time of equipping. Because these things are real. And these things we need to deal with. 2 Corinthians 10 says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Maybe you don't need a doctor or you don't need a counselor. Maybe you actually need the Spirit of God to come and do a work in you. In my experience, circumstances we're in my experience they generally haven't been a spiritual attack (laughs) Um, it's generally been God teaching me something (laughs) because Romans 5 says that suffering brings character and hope I don't think the enemy wants to bring character and hope (laughs) so circumstances are often from God So, if you've lost your job, I feel very bad for you. It's not necessarily a spiritual attack, or whatever it be. But, someone said to me once, a very wise man said to me many years ago, I was talking about these things, about, you know, spiritual warfare. And he said to me, Dan, because he spoke like that, Dan, you can't see a demon round every corner in life. And he was right. You shouldn't be seeing demons around every corner in life, but I'm more concerned about the demons in the dark corners of my life. The reality is we are complex beings made in the image of God. We're body, mind, and spirit, and we need the right medicine for the thing that is causing us sickness. We can be wounded in any of these places and often we're wounded in all of these places at once. There is still one healer. There is one healer who has the medicine for all of our wounds. It starts with Jesus. Hebrews 12, one to three says this. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. For me, I was certainly in a point when I was in the midst of struggling with with sin. I was growing weary and I was losing heart. I wanted to throw off everything that hindered me, the sin that so easily entangled. And ultimately... I couldn't do it myself. The only way I could do that was to fix my eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of my faith, and the one who died to set me free. We're going to have a chance later this week to actually do business with God, and allow the great healer to minister to us. So the elders have arranged a, a course called Power Through Position, which is going to be Thursday, Friday and Saturday morning. What I've tried to do this morning is to give you a biblical foundation for understanding that you need the right medicine for the sickness you have and you need people And the Holy Spirit and the word of God to highlight in you the places where you need healing. The medicine you need. It's the same healer. But it can sometimes be different medicine that you need. And the quickest way to healing is to take the right medicine. When we do this, we can have victory over those high places in our lives. And we can find out where we truly belong. Jesus said to the Jews that their father was the father of lies. But for us, if we know Jesus, Romans 8 tells us that we have a different father. For those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Just now I'd like to introduce you to the great healer. Before I do that, Kate would you like to just quickly, what I've asked Kate to do, I just ask her just to quickly share on the heart of Power Through Position, because she's helping facilitate it. Just so that you can be encouraged to come and experience what God has for you.
1: So you can hear what Dan is saying. We spend a lot of time washing the outside of our cups. But inside, it's absolutely filthy. And, and who in their right mind actually goes and makes a cup of coffee in a dirty cup? <laughs> and oftentimes, we have these, these God-given needs, these needs to be loved, the need to be valued, to be, to be secure, to be like consistently loved. To to be significant, to make meaning of our lives. But instead of leaning into our Creator, we lean to created things to meet those needs. And this week, Angela and Ant are going to help us as to how we can learn to turn to the Lord. And we need to learn... And we need to learn, and we need to learn again. It's like getting on a bicycle. We're going to have to keep learning how to turn to Him when we want to meet those needs outside of Him. And I want to encourage us this week that we would, that we would sign up. <laughs> there is still time to sign up. But there's something that we, we, we really can't, it's like, like for us at Sunnydale AM, we can't leave this anymore. It's like the Lord wants us as a people to step over the line from immaturity to maturity. That we no longer are drinking milk and living in that old position because actually most of us here are born again. And we've had an experience with Jesus and we never live in that new creation in 2 Corinthians 5 where it says the old has gone and the new has come. And we keep, keep, just drinking out of dirty cups. And we keep drinking that water that's polluted. And I want to just end this with a, a, a quick story. A couple of years ago we had, I'm going to be three minutes. We, is it long? <laughs> I, we had, um we had the eldest time in Provence and I'm, um, yeah. Cliff and I made a deal. If I went on his motorbike with him that weekend, he would book an Airbnb for us. Well, <laughs> what happened was I got bitten by a spider that weekend in our nice Airbnb instead of a tent. And I, and and what happened? <laughs> yeah. So anyway, landed up in hospital, went into theatre, had the, the you know had the flesh starts to eat the flesh. And um, it was a very painful thing. Came out of a hospital, had stitches, everything. And about three weeks later, I went back to the surgeon. And, and she, as she took the stitches out, my spider bite just popped open. Nothing had healed in the inside. And so she authorized a, a, a wound sister for me. And, and she came to my house every two days. And when she came, this is what she did. She took a metal instrument. and I'm not crying now because it was sore, but I feel like the Lord wants to work in our hearts in this. She took this metal instrument, and she scraped the inside of my spider bite so that it could bleed. And she did this every two days, and every two days I was lying on the bed, screaming in the bed, just as she would take this metal thing just to get blood to flow. And it's like we have an opportunity this week for the Lord's blood to flow into the dead parts of our heart. And we needed to start doing that. We need to start coming and saying, Lord, I want to I wanna do this. And we can allow his blood to flow through forgiveness. We can allow his blood to flow through repentance. We need to name our sin before the Lord. We need to name it for what it is. And we need to allow his blood to flow, that even the people that have wronged us, that we would forgive. That we would forgive even ourselves. So this Thursday night, we're doing it right here, seven o'clock, Friday night, and Saturday morning, there is child care we have organized. We've organized interns from Malkbos and from Edgebeed. Please, can you let her in know? Can you come up quickly so they can see you? <laughs> and they can let, will you let her know that she, you must let her know by this afternoon, please. Because obviously, we would love everybody to come, and we would love to have every. All the children being cared for properly. And we would like to know exactly how many children there will be. Um, And then I want to ask that this week we would pray for each other. That we would really, really earnestly pray for each other. That the Lord would start to do and work in our hearts.
2: Hi, guys. So um, are we all excited for power through position? OK, that's great. I heard some guys. Um, I heard some guys say, uh, uh, you know, listen, uh, you, you know, I heard that it's a Saturday morning. Uh, and, and, you know, so because there's a Saturday morning involved, I'm not going to come because that's a bit too much of a commitment for one week. And I just want to say. Guys, don't miss this because there's a Saturday morning. Come, we're not having communities on Wednesday. Come on Thursday. Come on Friday. Come on Saturday morning. If if you your kids can be looked after, if there's if, if there's a need, and you come and talk to me, we can help you. But don't miss it. Don't because because this is something that the Lord is doing. It's not just another course, right? When when Dan preached a couple of weeks ago, half of us were up here. There's high places in our lives, and 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 this is now the means, it's the way that we're going to get free from the lies of the enemy in the different parts of who we are. Does that make sense? So I really want to encourage you, if you haven't signed up, sign up today, please, and let's do this thing together. Thanks. Thanks.
0: Thank you, Lucas. So, the father of lies doesn't want us to experience this healing doesn't want us to know what it means to be set free to experience relationship with him with each other restored and so it may be as you're sitting here this morning that the father of lies has been lying to you and keeping you from meeting the great healer maybe his lie is that you're not worthy Maybe his lie is that you're unlovable, that you can't be forgiven. Maybe his lie is that you don't even need healing. This morning you've got an opportunity to leave the father of lies and meet the loving father who wants to bring you into true freedom and true healing. The Father sent his Son 2,000 years ago to die on a cross, to suffer the wounds that we deserve so that we can be set free if only we trust in him. So this morning... If I could just ask for us all just to close our eyes just for a moment. This morning I want to give an opportunity to anyone here. Who has heard. The true father. The heavenly father. Calling you. With healing in his hands. And you want to meet him. For the first time. If that's you. I would love to have the privilege of praying with you this morning that you would meet the great healer. But for that, I need to know who you are so we can pray with you. If there's anyone here who wants to meet Jesus for the first time, can I just ask you to put your hand up for me so I can see you and I can pray with you. Is there anyone here this morning And I'll give you a moment, because this is the most important thing you will do in your life and in your eternity. Is there anyone here who needs to meet with Jesus for the healer for the first time? Okay. So I'm going to do a second question. Just as we finish. I want to ask you if you're ready to do business with God. I'm going to ask if you can come on Power through Position. If you absolutely can't for some reason, you're still intent on doing business with God. If you're ready for this, if you're ready to submit yourself to God, can I just ask you to stand with me? I'm standing. And I'd just like to pray... With us all as we finish. Lord, I thank you. I thank you that you are the creator of the universe. You saw fit to create us, Lord, to have a relationship with you. Lord, we messed it up. We know we messed it up. But we thank you that you sent your son to restore that relationship. And we thank you that you sent your spirit to be within us, each one of us, Lord, so that we can be restored in every way to freedom in you. Lord, we just lay ourselves bare before you this morning. All that we are, we open up to you, Lord. Let there be no holds barred in our life, Lord. But every part of all we are, we present at the foot of the cross, Lord. Do your work in us. And Lord, this week, we just pray that by your spirit, you would prepare our hearts, prepare our minds, Lord. That we would bring ourselves as an offering to you and that we would be restored, renewed, so that we can run harder and faster for you, our Lord, our Savior, and our healer. Amen.